The following is a hoop bowl presentation. And we are back. It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast coming at you on a Friday morning. Took a couple of weeks off as went on vacation. Also had some baby duties to take care of. So couldn't get that podcast out last week, which I was hoping to do. But if I'm going to miss a week, I got to make sure I come back with a special guest. And I did exactly that. Shane Young at Young MBA on Twitter, a writer for Forbes, covers the Clippers as closely as anybody, joins me on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Shane, what is up, my dude? I'm doing great, Brandon, and you you always do a little bit too much with the intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's never too much. It's never too much, and I'm hoping that I can add even more to that in the coming oh, yeah. months, but we shall see. Stay tuned to the work of Shane Young. On this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about free agency. I mentioned that I talk about free agency in Summer League when we came back. When we last had this podcast, I had Miriam on from the OC Register, and we were going through the four main free agents, and we were discussing how many would come back, and if we had to guess who would come back, who would not come back, and there were four main ones, obviously, with Kawhi, Ibaka, Batum, and Reggie Jackson, and we said, at the very least, three of the four would come back, and I said the one caveat would be is if there was that rumored tension between Kawhi and the doctors of the Clippers, if there was that quote-unquote disagreement in terms of what Kawhi's timeline was like and why he took so long to get the surgery and whether the second opinion was a big deal, then maybe Kawhi would be gone. But I said at the very most, they would have one guy leave, and I thought that could be Batum, but Shane, everyone's back. They're they're running it back. (laughs) They're doing what most of us expected them to do if you had to put the odds on what the Clippers would do, you probably would have put about 75% that they would bring everybody back. And so what they do, they re-sign Nick Batum. They re-sign Reggie Jackson. Serge Ibaka opted in. And when Serge Ibaka opted in, that told me that Kawhi was coming back. I think the biggest surprise for the Clippers was that Kawhi signed a three plus one. And I got to tell you, Shane, I'm glad he did that because I did not want to see that one plus one. I thought it would have been BS to sign him only for him to get make $40 million to rehab an ACL to possibly leave the Clippers the following year. Probably wouldn't have happened, but I didn't want to see it. So that's where we're going to start. Kawhi Leonard, level of surprise on the 3 plus 1. 10 out of 10. I, I got to be honest with you. And it's one of those things where I think, I think you contacted me right after it happened. And yeah. we kind of set this up. But I was driving. It's always... You always get some news when you're driving, and I hate it so much, right? Like, so luckily I was I was going to Starbucks, so I was like right there, so I had to get there and, and get my takes off about the Kawhi news. So, uh, yeah, man, I was I was shocked to see the four year deal, which is really I think everyone, you know, TV networks are not going to do this. They're always going to put the four year uh, number on there, but it should be phrased as a three year deal because we know that more than likely which every superstar does, he'll opt out in 2024. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, that that's if the contract even goes that distance. I think one thing that is also under discussed, which we'll probably get into here, is although it's a three-year deal guaranteed that he'll be on the Clippers till 2024, he could theoretically, after the second year of the contract, uh, renegotiate and extend, kind of like what Jimmy Butler was doing. You know, we've seen... Uh, We've seen uh, other other players like Dame Lillard and James Harden do that in the past with Houston and, and Portland. Um, so I think that you know Kawhi could theoretically extend to like a, a, you know put more years on that. So he might just be a Clipper for life. So everyone was expecting that one plus one because we thought that he would take the money to rehab and then he would go and sign that max, which would be about two hundred and thirty million dollars. Instead. He does that three plus one, which comes out to about 180 or so, if I remember correctly on the numbers. Yeah, 176. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, about 180. And there's a couple things that can happen, obviously. Like you said, he can renegotiate after the second year, and he could sign for probably that max extension. He could wait for the three years, he'll opt out, and then he'll sign a max extension. And 
everyone needs to realize also that now he and PG are on the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Clippers Twitter was talking about that yesterday, that now they are aligned together and they both have that opt-in year, I believe, for the first season at the new arena. So what we're expecting is that two guys who are from the area will most likely end up being Clippers for life, is my guess. Um, but at the very least, will opt in, you would think, to that final year and extend. Um, but obviously, we'll see. I mean, many things can happen in the next couple of years. You never yeah. know, what, especially with Kawhi. You, you, the guy uh, is impossible to read. But <laughs> at, at least that right. now they're on the same timeline. So if things do get blown up, then you have all the money at your disposal to try and figure something else out. So I think it's definitely a surprise that Kawhi is now locked in. I think... I got to be honest with you, Shane, and I'm curious to get your point on that or your take on this. I don't think the Clippers wanted to do the one plus one. I don't know how much leverage they had as the team that was negotiating with yeah. a quote unquote free agent, but I don't think that they're dumb. They don't, they, mm-hmm. they know that they could easily pay this guy to rehab and then they could lose him. They, they obviously know it's unlikely but I don't think they want to be put in that corner. Do you think that's a possibility that Lawrence Frank said, no, we won't do the one plus one. Here are the options that are on the table. Well, I think I think part of what you said there is is definitely true. And someone was in my mentions right after I, I, t- I made a tweet about, uh, you know, the four year deal saying that the, the Clippers, it, it was a it was a no from them that it would be a one plus one. They were not going to do it. And I think there's a middle ground here between what. I believe in what in what you are saying here. And it's like, yes, the Clippers, Lawrence Frank is smart. Like their their front office is, is smart. They've been around these things. Even Jerry West, you know, one of their uh, one of their what do you what I don't know what you want to call them. Just their uh, <laughs> consigliere or whatever you want to. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call them. Like he's been around that type of situation with KD and Golden State before. So I mean, yeah. he knows um, what what you know you, you can get around how you can get around that. But I think what my point of view is there's a difference between saying, no, we're not going to do it and voicing your opinion to Kawhi's agency or Kawhi's camp that we don't want to do this, but also realizing like if he says that's the only thing that's going to happen, then they're going to do that. Like if if Kawhi said it's the, it's one plus one or nothing like you're not letting Kawhi Leonard just walk out of your door. Right. He didn't have many, I know he didn't have many cap space teams, if at all, that he could have went to this season or this summer. So his hand would have been, or his, you know, he would have been tied to the Clippers, um, regardless. But I think, you know, Lawrence Frank is not dumb. He's not going to, you know, piss off Kawhi's camp by by saying that. Yeah, I got to tell you something. And I was talking to Andrew Greif about this. Uh, it was about a month, month and a half ago, and we were talking about Kawhi. And the one thing that's absolutely concerning is that this guy can't stay healthy. And, and not only can he not stay healthy. But you can't rely on him to play a full season. It seems like you have to continue to baby him, which very well could happen the rest of his career, where he needs to be babied through a regular season, and then no guarantees he can make through a postseason. And it's tough, because you really handicap your team with a guy like Kawhi, who is going to put more pressure on others during the regular season, because he's not going to play every game, and that means more minutes for others. And if you lose him in the playoffs, you're probably cooked. And so it's very difficult, but at the same time, you have one of the top five players in the NBA, uh, you could say, when healthy, and it takes a lot to get that. I mean, you had to trade away every draft pick and do draft swap or do pick swaps and trade away Shea Gilgis-Alexander in order to get a guy like Kawhi with PG. So it's a tough balancing act. Where do you fall on that? Because uh, you're not as much, I'm assuming, as of a fan over the last mm-hmm. many, many years as I am. So I obviously come yeah. at it with a little bit more of a, I mean, they call a fan, a fanatic. I mean, obviously there's a reason for that. <laughs> but it, it's concerning as somebody who roots for the team that you are already being put with one arm behind your back when you have a guy like Kawhi. Yeah, it, it's it's completely frustrating that y- there's a lot of unknowns because you you go into it with Kawhi signing with the Clippers in 2019 and then you're thinking, oh, this is just going to be, you know, all fine and dandy. And then you don't realize the potential risks that come with that, uh, you know, trading away everything that you owned Oklahoma City to get Kawhi MPG because it was more more or less a package deal to get both of those. 
there is a lot of risk involved. And you, and what do we always say about championship winners or championship contenders? You need a lot of luck. Yeah. And you know, it it would be it would be disheartening if you look back. You know, let's just say Kawhi and PG live out their contracts as Clippers, and they don't. And let's say they don't win a championship. And you look back on that 2020 bubble playoffs as the one time everybody was healthy and they and they couldn't break through the door. You know, they 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 choked and it would it would definitely be bad to look look back on that and say, like, that was their best chance. Now, I don't think that'll be the case. I think, you know, they will run into some luck here. Um, But, you know, that's what that's what you do with with every top five player. I mean. It seems like LeBron's the only one that is not going to get hurt at any pivotal time, and and we just saw that you know re- reverse this past season with him getting hurt twice, you know, in the matter of like three months. So it might just be the story of of having a top five superstar, and I would argue, you know, Kawhi's probably, I, I think the three best players in the world are KD, Giannis, and Kawhi, and you can you can order those any way you want to, in, in my opinion. But I, and you know, looking at that at that trio right there of KD, Giannis, and Kawhi, KD is also like everything hinges on his health as well. So I understand like from a fan perspective, it can be it can be challenging to to be positive all the time whenever you know your entire team slash future slash you know championship status hinges on this guy that plays let's say 70% of a season. Yeah. Um and then as I think what you said there was was smart and important. Like even if he plays sixty five to seventy percent of a season, it we just saw that it's not guaranteeing he goes through the entire playoffs because and and this honestly, like we can get off into a tangent here, but like this irks me whenever people on you know debate shows or on Twitter, whatever the case is, they say, oh, all that load management and he still got hurt. It's like, okay, that that's not a direct correlation. Like Kawhi had no idea that Joe Ingles was going to make, you know, make a little bit of contact with them and force him to plant hard on his right leg. That's just a freak incident. That could happen regardless if that was the first game Kawhi's ever played. If that was the first game of Kawhi's season. And so he was like completely 120% healthy. It still would have happened. So I don't think, you know, you can tie anything towards his resting to what happened against against Utah. Yeah, I mean, listen, if that shot goes in on the other end, then this never happens. And it's very yeah. possible the Clippers are the NBA champion. It's a lot of what ifs. And like you said, and it's a very good point, a lot of luck. I mean, look at this year. The Bucks got a lot of luck. Giannis ended up coming back and missing only, what, two games after having what we all thought was a torn yeah. ACL. I mean, you needed luck there where he was able to come back, and you needed luck where Giannis's brother ends up being quarantined for COVID, and somehow Giannis wasn't there in the contact mm-hmm. tracing. Like, there was a lot of stuff that happened along the way, whether it was with Brooklyn, and KD's foot was on the line, and Kyrie was hurt, and Harden was hurt. So you definitely need a lot to go your way. And so that's why when you have a guy like Kawhi, sure, it sucks when you know that he's going to be load managed during the regular season and that he could get hurt during the postseason. But it's so hard to win that if you can have that ace up your sleeve in Kawhi for that one yeah. year that he does stay healthy, it certainly helps you in your chance and, and to I'm win definitely, NBA title. Yeah, you're completely right. And I'm definitely of the camp, I guess, just to plant my flag here. I'm definitely of the camp that I would rather have a top three player and then a top 15 player on my team even if that means I just forfeited a lot of of potential assets or things that can be used to get younger and get better in the future, which they gave all of that to Oklahoma City, um, I would rather have that than a perennial seven eight seed. That although like if it, it must feel you know I, I'm not a fan, but like I'm not a fan of the Clippers, so I can't really like tell you how that felt personally in that first round series against Golden State to really push the Warriors to the, to, to the brink almost. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it was incredible and and you know just you know mind-numbingly great for the for the fan base. Um but I would rather have that championship contender that I know can get at least to the conference finals or, you know, one, they were, they were one game from the conference finals against Denver. Uh, didn't quite work out well, but I would rather have that team that I know is a top 
three to four team in the NBA, bar none, versus a team that is probably just going to get bounced in the first round. Yeah, I agree. And with Kawhi, you now have him for several years, and I am not. I'm not going to go and say he's out for this season. I mean, the guy apparently mm-hmm. has already looked decent in summer league, just walking around dribbling a basketball. I mean, obviously there's a lot more to playing the sport, but who's to say he doesn't come back for the playoffs? Who's to say he doesn't come back in the Western Conference semifinals? I mean, it's certainly yeah. possible. And even if you have him for 15, 20 minutes a night, hell, that's a lot better than running out <laughs> someone else for 15 to 20 minutes a night. I mean, uh, I'll I'll be honest, I was certainly in the camp that initially I thought the Clippers needed a point guard. And uh, I'm very much in the minority with all these Clipper guys, including yourself. I mean, (laughs) Rondo looked very good initially. We got playoff Rondo in the regular season, and we got regular season Rondo in the playoffs. And so it ended up hurting Clippers. And it's very weird about the. I think it's the strangest thing about the Clippers this past season was the whole Rondo thing after March 25th when they got him. It's. You know, I think two things can be true. It's not mutually, it's not mutually exclusive. If if he wasn't on the floor against Dallas in Game Three, they lose in the first round. Right. But he sure as hell did not help them in the second and third rounds. Yeah. So I think I think it could be both ways there. And and uh, you know, I I I have to probably agree with the Kawhi sentiment when it comes to his return date because I got to tell you, man, like it. it it definitely bodes well, at least visually, it bodes well that he is walking and looks fine. And this is what just, I think tomorrow will be, if I'm not mistaken, I think tomorrow will be one month after surgery. So, I mean, that's that's terrific. And, you you know, we're in August, man. Like, we have no idea what his body is going to feel like or how fast he's going to be able to run or how, you know, how he looks moving laterally in April. So I think... All of these, you know, I'm not going to, it might be irresponsible to say that, but like, I think, I think all these reports that, oh, he's going to miss the whole year. That's just bogus. I, I, I really don't see how that is a concrete set in stone timeline whenever hell it could be December and he could be telling Lawrence Frank, like, Hey man, I feel, I feel good. Like, you know, let's speed up this timeline a little bit. I mean, I, I am of the opinion he comes back. Uh, if I had to like guess just, just off as pure guessing, I would say March or so. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think that's certainly reasonable. Obviously, he doesn't want to push it, but I got to tell you, you can certainly push it a little bit when you just signed a contract for $176 yeah. million. So that that's certainly one of the benefits. And something that I don't think anybody's talked about, and I'm glad you just led me into that, that by doing this, it allows him to come back next year. Because if he only signs that one-year contract, then who's to say he comes back and he gets hurt again he doesn't get exactly what he wants, probably, if he gets hurt for a second time in two years. Now, yeah. he if he really is it all in on the Clippers, which sure seems like he is, then you have the ability now to come back and you've got protection that if you're hurt and you end up coming back and you get hurt, you've been paid now for the next three years. So I think there certainly is an incentive now for Kawhi to come back next year and try and help the Clippers win the title. And that would be... Honestly, outstanding, mm-hmm. and I th- I'm glad you just let me into that because I hadn't really thought about it, and I haven't seen anybody actually bring that up on Twitter <laughs> either. So, Oh, yeah, and, and and I really don't think that the Clippers are going to look at this Western Conference landscape and say there's there's a team that we are uh, lesser than. I think you know th- they rightfully believe, hey, Utah just had the number one seed, and we blitzed them off the floor and, and for four straight games, right? Um, Phoenix just won the Western Conference, but hell, we looked really good against them in the first, or, you know, we looked really good good against them in the games we lost as well. I think that's going to be their sentiment. So, you know, and, and, and obviously looking at the Lakers, I think Kawhi and PG can look at that roster and say, hey, like that, there's a lot of weak defenders we could attack there individually in a matchup. So, uh, I, you know, I, I really do believe the Clippers are going to look at this Western Conference and say, as long as Kawhi gets back, you know they should be favorites. Yeah, and listen, there's not many times that you're able to get a guy like Kawhi, and so the Clippers got him, and now they re-signed him, so good for their team. But before we continue talking about free agency, take a quick break, talk about our friends over at MyBookie. Ever since I started this podcast, people are always asking me for betting tips or asking me where I'm betting, who I'm betting on. I tell them I'm betting on the Clippers, and I'm doing it at MyBookie. 
bet.ag. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. The only place that I trust to handle my NBA-related bets, also my Premier League-related bets, which kicks off today. Also college basketball, college baseball, college football. They've got everything. Whatever you want to bet on, if you want to play blackjack, it's there as well. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's a promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. You need a little help? Hit up the guys at the HOOPBALL gaming department. Devin does a great job over there helping people out. Also, you've got the wager pass. Not very long to go before the prices go up. You've got a couple of days, so get locked in on our low prices. Head over to my book if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Mr. June, Reggie Jackson. And this is probably the second biggest signing, in my opinion, for the Clippers. Obviously, Baca's hit big. Batum is big. But, man, Reggie Jackson is monstrous. What he did for the Clippers last year and what he has done from three over the last couple of seasons has been spectacular. I thought the Clippers desperately needed to re-sign Reggie Jackson. I thought after his press conference that he was a lock to resign. I didn't care what other teams were offering, but you certainly saw early on the numbers that are being thrown out in free agents, and you knew that certain cap spaces were getting taken up and that Reggie Jackson probably didn't have many places he could go to. But he ends up re-signing with the Clippers, um, gets about $10 million a year, which is what we expected. Shane, I thought this was a no-brainer, and I thought this was one that needed to happen because the Clippers need someone that can score with Kawhi on the sidelines. They need someone to help out PG. I think Reggie Jackson does exactly that. Not only does he do that, man, but the guy might be in all of our years, you know, watching basketball, keeping up with the NBA for me, you know, covering it uh, for the last seven years. He might be the best locker room guy I've ever seen. I mean, everyone I don't think there's been one person outside of Russell Westbrook that that has said a negative thing about Reggie Jackson. I mean, everyone loves the guy. So to have that camaraderie with PG to have, you know, the the way, I'm not going to say, like, the, the way Kawhi Leonard kind of done a 180 on Reggie to where, I'm not going to say, like, he didn't like Reggie, but the, the vibe wasn't great last year, to put it mildly, um, for that to completely change and to, to this past season where everyone, including Kawhi, was just, like, you know, behind the guy. And, and I'll never forget that Detroit game, that, that, that game in Detroit where everyone was just, you know, showering Reggie with praise. And, and cheers and enjoyment after the game, after he hit that game winner um, in his old arena. I mean, like, it, it just, I think the sentiment and, like, the, the the feeling around this team would not have been the same without Reggie. So from that perspective as well, it's great that they kept him. And it, one thing that about Reggie that, that I, I think a lot of people didn't expect, including myself, maybe you as well, is that he would turn into this Duncan Robinson type shooter that was just like lights out. I mean, it's, it's unreal. I mean, in the playoffs, 40 of 87 on catch and shoot threes, that's 46% on just spot up catch and shoot threes, which is exactly what you need around who else like Kawhi and PG. That's exactly what you need. Wow. That, that is an astronomical number. And you talk about having guys that can shoot and we saw, some confidence get injected into Luke Kennard's uh, veins towards the end of that season. So you spread the floor with guys like Kennard, Ibaka, Batum, and Reggie Jackson, along with PG, and you've got yourself some snipers on that team. So I think the Clippers, who are great from three last year, I think it's going to be exactly what they do again this year. So Reggie Jackson I thought was really important, and I'm glad they re-signed him. It's one of those things that I said during the playoffs. I don't care how much he needs. I don't care how many years he wants. I don't care how much you're going to have to give him. What he did during that postseason, Shane, was deserving. It's it's funny because I'm a big Angels fan, and I watched and saw the Angels go out and give Albert Pujols 10 years and like $250 million, and that is certainly rewarding a guy for what he did in the past while not really looking ahead to have what you're going to have with a guy that's going to be aging later on. And mm-hmm. it's happened all the time with the Angels, where you reward a guy for what they've done. And this is the case where I didn't think a guy was going to get enough money where he really destroys your payroll in Reggie Jackson. But you need to reward him for what he's done the last year. And going from being out of the rotation after the experiment in the first 10 games by Ty Lue to then re-entering when Pat Bev got hurt, 
it, it just says a lot about who Reggie Jackson is. Yeah, and that Miami game on January 28th was was something to to look back on, you know, because who who would have guessed six months later after that, you know, he would be doing what he was doing in the playoffs. But back in that January Miami game, Reggie caused a timeout that they didn't have and is immediately, like, distraught. Like, you would have thought someone died. I mean, it was just he was he was very upset with himself, throwing the ball, going to kick, like, the stanchion. I mean, he was he was very mad. And then, obviously, like, Serge is the first one to console him and really uh, give him the the confidence and uplift him and say, like, next play. Don't, don't worry about that. It's next play. And, you know, the Clippers were already up in that game by six with, like, 20 seconds. I mean, it, it didn't cost them the game, but – um, you know, Reggie being out of the rotation a couple weeks before that, knowing that, oh, this this could be the type of screw up that Ty Lue and the coaching staff needs to bench me again. Or this could be a sign of not being an intelligent player. Um, maybe they don't trust me in big moments. But it was a, the complete opposite of that. I mean, everyone rallied around him. I mean, it, and during that ensuing timeout, like it was a whole group around that guy. And for them to trust him regardless of, of how many minutes he was playing or how many shots he, he took, I thought his shot selection was a lot better this time around. You didn't have a lot of those careless drives one on four that we saw in the bubble, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I thought I thought he was more careful and, and decisive with what he was doing this year. And uh, that, that proved to be the case in the playoffs. And, and they don't they don't beat Utah without Terrence Mann, but they also don't beat Utah without Reggie's spot-up threat. I got to ask you something. Is Reggie Jackson now a lock to start next season? And mm. we'll, we'll get into the other two signings, but I figure we'll jump into this right now. What's your starting lineup right now for the Clippers? Because I've, I've seen depth charts that now have Pat Bev coming off the bench. <laughs> so that would mean a, a, a lineup of what? Reggie Jackson would start. PG is going to yeah. start. Zoo is going to probably start, um, although that mm-hmm. very well could not happen. And then you have Marcus Morris. Um, that's going to start. Batum maybe off the bench. Um, can, uh, man. I think man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that we've discussed, we might have discussed, Pat, you know, my affinity for Pat Bev and, yeah. and how his play style is and, and how he, you know, just his impact in general. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, it doesn't matter if he, he's not a drive and kick guy. It doesn't matter if he is slower than the average guard. I mean, this guy is is still incredible, and he's still a 40% shooter. So, I mean, you know, to just say he's a non-offensive threat, like some people do, is just completely flat-out false. Um, I would still start Reggie because I think he does – I think he earned it. And, you know, Pat Bev was great in the Phoenix series. I mean – uh, shutting not shutting down Booker, but really limiting Booker and and giving you know making life hell on Chris Paul as well for yeah. for the most part before things got out of hand. Um, I would start Reggie, PG, Terrence, Marcus, and Zoo, and then probably have you know your surges, your your Batum, um, and Pat off the bench to kind of and you know also I think Luke Kennard should get a a lot of. A lot of looks this year off the bench, so yeah. I think they're solidified with the you know that nine man group right there. Um, I would I would start Reggie. I guess is the short answer. Short yeah. answer. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think you need some scoring in the starting lineup, so I think that's why you start him. And you very well could start Pat and Reggie. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think that'll happen, but it's certainly possible that you start Pat and Reggie together. Um, but I don't know what that would mean for a guy like Terrence, who would probably come off the bench in that situation. Um, cause then you'd have PG and Marcus and Zuri Baca, but either I way, think Terrence, uh, yeah, I think Terrence needs the, the spacing of a PG Reggie yeah. Marcus group. I think Terrence needs that space to really attack the seams. If I'm, you know, that's just my guess. Yeah. And I can see Terrence being left in with the bench unit to provide a spark and give some more energy. So it, it'll certainly be interesting to see what his role is. I think in the, the Clippers season next year, I think that's the biggest, thing to watch is Terrence Mann because we saw him play a role in the regular season and thought, oh, this might be a guy, as Brian Seaman said, that's going to win you a game in the postseason. And he did exactly that against Utah. (laughs) And then you look and you see him get left out of the rotation. 
um, during the playoffs. So now the question is, what does he look like with your team next year? And I think that's going to be really important is to see is Terrence Mann a 20 minute per guy guy? Is he a 27 minute per guy uh, per minute guy? I mean, that'll be interesting to see and what his game looks like next year. I mean, was the playoffs a, a flash in the pan? Is he actually that guy that we saw? Is he going to be able to continue to add? that shooting because he did not have the confidence in himself at times to take that three ball. So we'll certainly see. Um, Let's talk about Nick Batum. Nico Mm -hmm. was a guy that I thought very well could leave and could go to a team like the Lakers or somewhere else that could use him. But this is a guy that was a threat on the offensive and defensive end for a couple of years. Then he obviously had those injuries and then he showed exactly what he could do with the Clippers Batum is a guy that didn't sign for all that much. Um, are you surprised yeah. he's back with the Clippers? Because it seems like they really do like the Clippers, <clears throat> him and his wife. So it, it seems yeah. like this was more about happiness more than anything else. Yeah. So I think I'm, I was initially surprised just because it, it felt like the the vibe uh, was that he was going to leave. I think for like two or three days on Twitter, it was like, oh, well, it was a great one-year run, and I think he's going to move on just because, you know, the Clippers don't want to pay him, you know, five or six million dollars. Like, they just try to get him for the minimum, which I believe they got him for the minimum, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it was yeah. only a couple million dollars. Yeah, so it's like uh, I, I was surprised that he returned. But then again, in the same breath, I think you can agree with this or relate to this, that once you think about it, once you think of all the – press conference moments he's had where he's like talked about how much he loves this team and organization and he loves the players and, and the coaches and everyone like you begin to realize oh well this this should have been this was this should have been obvious like he loves this team <laughs> like he loves being in LA I mean w- when you have the the team culture that they have and it's in the best location in the country like I don't think it's that big of a surprise when they come back although I will say just thinking about it whenever you mentioned that he could have left for a different team. You mentioned the Lakers. I thought it would have been completely nasty if he went to Brooklyn. That would have been yeah. uh, Brooklyn on the minimum. It would have been just, you might as well have shut down the league at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's it, that would have been, I mean, geez, Louise, you put KD, Kyrie, Harden and Batum and allow Batum to spread the floor and also help yeah. on the defensive end. I mean, Batum and that block in the Olympics was just Ooh. incredible. And it shows that he still got it. And frankly, you'll gladly take it. Um, per team- isn't that surprising? To, isn't it a little bit like uh, weird to you that he's only 32 and he won't turn 33 till December? I mean, it's like you look at him and just off a of raw, just off of the first glance, I would say like, you know, he's been around forever. I would say he's at least 36, like, yeah. but he's only 32. Yeah. The Clippers are a team though. It's certainly aging. And that's why it was so important for the Clippers to get the three guys in the draft that they did along with Terrence Mann to inject some youth into this team. We'll see what those guys do um, that are um, the newbies, but nonetheless, I mean, Batum at 32. Yeah. It certainly seems like he's been in the league since uh, the early two thousands and, He's been around, but man, he he's a guy that you want to have, and it certainly lines up with the way ever, the Clippers decide to bring everybody back. That they're going to be going for it again this year and the next couple of years, and that they really do have a window that's going to be about three years, and they'll see what happens. I mean, they would obviously love to win the title the year before they move to the new arena. That would certainly inject some life and some uh, energy and excitement going into the new arena. So we'll see. But Batum certainly will be someone that the Clippers can bring off the bench. They can start. And he's just important on the defensive end. He's important to knock down those threes. The Clippers were a great three-point shooting team last year. I thought that maybe he'd be able to make more money because of what he did last year. But frankly, when you're a good team like the Clippers, there are players that take a little bit of a discount. And I think Reggie Jackson took a bit of a discount. Um, I think that Batum took a bit of a discount. And for mm-hmm. Sergi Baca, the final player we'll talk about, this is a guy that opted in and very well could have gotten a bigger contract. I mean, you look at some of the contracts that were handed out to guys like Daniel Tice, for example, and, and Sergi Baca could have gotten a lot more money. And instead, he resigns, or rather, he opts in for his final year. And he is a guy that the Clippers desperately would have loved to have in that playoffs uh, against Phoenix. He would have been so important. Yeah. 
um, to their small ball lineup and his ability to space the floor. They just didn't have, I mean, when they went to DeMarcus Cousins, it, it just didn't work out um, like they wanted to. I mean, sure, he bullied at times down, down low, but not having Ibaka, but him coming back this year and not taking more money, again, says a lot about the Clippers' culture, Shane. I think it's as simple yeah. as that. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, it also helps that he was, or he came into the experiment with already a, a good relationship with Kawhi, and it seems from his cooking show that he has a good relationship with PG now. So um, <laughs> that, that that's going to be good for everyone involved. But I mean, I, I I might have to push back a little bit that he could have gotten more money. It very well could have been the case, but I think that nobody. Absolutely nobody has any idea what's going on with that back, that back issue. I mean, he had back surgery in, let me guess, um, June. I believe it was June. Yeah, during the Utah series. Yeah, that was weird. So, yeah, and and nobody really knows a timeline or or what it's is. Is he going to be completely fine now because that's taken care of? Is it going to be something he has to ease into and he won't be ready until like December? Like we we just have no idea of the scenario or, or what's going on. And it and it's really frustrating from our perspective because I feel like we as the media have gotten intel on other other players that they've had. You know, Kawhi is the the other one that we. Honestly, I have no idea what's going on in half the time, but but we were really left in the dark about surge, and we still are. We haven't gotten an update since the surgery. So, I mean, it could be a scenario where he's 100% healthy, according to his Instagram stuff that he always has going on where he's posting, you know, in swimming pools and whatnot. So, I mean, who, who knows about surge? But I, uh, I, I do have a little bit of concern that he's going to be the same guy, and usually I'm of the mindset that, you know, you have a summer to heal. You have a summer to rest. Like, don't worry about it as fans. Don't worry about it as people covering the team. He's going to be fine. But it, it does give me pause for concern. I think what also matters is that, like, this is the final year of his contract with the Clippers. And it could be that his final year with the Clippers is is the year that Kawhi's not even there, right? I mean, I know you and I both said that we think Kawhi will be back. But in the worst case scenario that he's not, I mean, it's just going to really suck to not see everyone fully together at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And the one thing is you'd assume that by him opting in, I mean, he came here because of Kawhi. So you yeah. assume by him opting in that either he thinks that Kawhi is going to come back or he loves what he had with the Clippers or he's just going to take his money and then re-sign with the Clippers um, yeah. after the season. So we really don't know. But it was important for them to re-sign him. Um, there aren't many guys like him in today's NBA, but to your point, the back thing is weird. It, it's odd that we didn't get updates throughout the season uh, about him. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt and we had no idea whether it was going to be a day-to-day -day thing. I mean, the Clippers were acting like it was a day-to-day -day thing, but in reality, not the case. He came back for a couple of games and all of a sudden he was back on the sidelines and he was in his voodoo room. I mean, no one truly had an idea <laughs> of what was going on with him. And as someone that has had back issues in their family it's not something to take lightly i mean if this was a major back surgery it's very possible that he's going to be out for a while and we may not see him um towards the end of the until the end yeah. of the season but it's also possible we'll see him in the beginning of the season but like you said i don't love that we haven't had many updates i think that's been my biggest gripe um about the clippers and i love the clippers i think they do a great job mm -hmm. their front office is incredible they're well run i, I it rubbed me the wrong way when they were late scratching Kawhi and PG um, several times throughout the regular season. They were yeah. not mentioning anything with Kawhi's injury, which obviously it's something that he wanted to um, keep quiet. But they didn't say anything about Ibaka. It just seemed like they were very tight-lipped, which is kind of how you want your organization to be run. But at the same time, it's pretty deceiving to your fan base and making them cling to something that they really shouldn't be clinging on when you have guys that are being late scratched and you have guys that are hurt and they're going to be out for a while and the team thinks that they're going to be, and the fan base thinks they're going to come back sooner than they're actually going to come back. So it, yeah. it's up to, and, uh, it's up to you guys really. I mean, it's up to you and Miriam who are there before the game starts to see guys like Pat Beverly on the floor to say, Oh, okay. Pat Beverly is on the floor. <laughs> He's warming up. He's probably going to be back in one or two weeks. And that happened a couple of times this season where because of you guys being there early, you were able to tell us more than the actual team did. Yeah, and and honestly, man, like I think the Clippers are going to run into some 
trouble there where they're going to have to stop that whenever the NBA even gets more more um, involved with betting because that's not going to fly. Yeah, man, that's messed up. That's really messed up. If you (laughs) and I thought about that, too, because I have a family member who plays daily fantasy and um, he had um, he had Kawhi in his lineup and Kawhi ended up getting late scratched a minute before tip. And you're in a, a big money daily contest that's people throwing away money, you know? Yeah, and and really like the, the day-to-day updates are one thing that we are both it sounds like, you know, kind of uh, annoyed with. We hope that that doesn't continue this season. But with, you know, with Surge, it just seems like, you know, it's been 2 months now. It's been almost, you know, 2 months since he had surgery and I kind of would just like to know if the guy is going to be ready for training camp. I mean, cuz training camp is in 1 month. It's in 1 freaking month and we like he might not be there. He might not be ready. Um, one more thing on Serge, though. I think I think it does bode well. I think it is a positive sign, at least, that I, I should preface this by saying I'm not a doctor. I have no idea if this, like, enables you to still do this or disables you from doing this. But right after he had surgery, like, right afterwards, he was on the bench, like, hanging out with the team, like, you know, showing up to the games, yeah. uh, dressed like he always is, you know, in, in his style. Uh, or what's he call it? Art. He calls it art. Um, but it's like, I don't think if it was that horrible, if it was that bad, I don't think he would have been shown up to those playoff games. That's just me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and that's definitely something that's certainly something we can look. I mean, that's a straw that we can grasp, I guess, for now. <laughs> yeah. um, before we move on to our final topic, you've heard me talk about these folks before over at Manscaped support for today's episode comes from Manscaped. They've got the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. You probably need a gift at any point. Why not go over to Manscaped? Make your dad proud, make your brother proud, make yourself proud, and get that lawnmower 4.0. Perfect for you and anybody in your life to help your grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at manscaped.com. The trimmer is now available in the USA and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from other trimmers? How about the 7,000 RPM trimmer featuring skin-safe technology to keep your privates in check and help reduce manscaping accidents? New multifunction on-off switch can engage in a travel lock, and the 4.0 gives you the ability to turn on that 4,000K LED spotlight on and off whenever you need a more precise shape. Additional guard length, sizes 1 to 4, help you trim to your liking. Stop imagining yourself without the lawnmower 4.0 go get it 20 percent off and free shipping with the code hoopball20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code hoopball20 at manscaped.com all right shane let's wrap this up with a quick chat about what the clippers did in the draft and what this means for themselves going forward mm-hmm. the clippers needed to get younger um they've got a lot of let's say they've got a lot of old guys on their team um, <laughs> Keon Johnson, we talked about, um, these draft guys with Miriam, so we're not going to go in depth on them, but I kind of want to get your take on what you've seen from yeah. Jason Preston and Keon Johnson. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of the other guy that's slow Brandon Boston. and Brandon Boston. There you go. Um, that have that left my brain for a quick second. What you've thought about <laughs> those, th- those three so far in the summer league? Well, I walked in this or not walked in the summer league because I'm not there, but I, uh, you know, we went into summer league thinking that, man, let's just see something. Let's just see some positive signs. And I think that we have seen positive signs, but only for one player. Like I'm, I, I haven't seen a lot from Jason Preston that I've been impressed by. Um, my, you know, our buddy Lucas hand, he, uh, he, is I think Jason Preston's biggest critic because he just talks about how, you know, Jason was brought in as this, you know, driving kick guy, this best pass, one of the best passers of the draft. Um, But it seems like he can't really penetrate past his original defender because he doesn't have the burst or the speed yet. Um, And that's a problem because how are you going to generate those passes if you can't, if you can't get by NBA level defenders? Um, so I think, you know, it's been a rough two games for him. That third game is tonight, I believe against the Lakers. Am I wrong on that? I think yeah, it is. third game is tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously for the, for the last remaining games, you got to see a lot from Preston. If he's going to be a rotation guy in the next two or three years, which I, I think right now I would vote that he's not, I would vote that he flames out that, you know, that might be overreaction time, but that's just mm. me. Um, Keon Johnson, you know, 
I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of Keon Johnson after two games. You know, the, and keep in mind this is only like 30 minutes of play or 40 minutes of playing time. Like this isn't some, this isn't something that you can just take away as saying these are the players that they're going to be. Yeah. They can absolutely get better, and they could show up tonight. Who knows? Um, but Keon, for me, the biggest thing is that I, I don't, I don't think I've seen a player that is not a good shooter be as confident letting them fly yeah. as he is. He's one of 13 so far in the, in the summer league from three. Um, <laughs> most, <laughs> most of them from above the break. That's 13 threes in two games attempted. Um, and, and I got to tell you, he doesn't hesitate. He, he just lets it go. Yeah. So I think that's something that as long as you can, as long as you get him with NBA shooting development coaches, that's something that, because you can't teach the confidence. You can teach the shooting, I think. But you can't teach, like, you know, the, the ability to not be scared of that, um, to, to really, you know, trial and error and, and learn from failure. So I think that he's going to be – he's the he's one of the best raw athletes in the draft, maybe the best raw athlete in the draft, but he just doesn't have a lot of, like, NBA translatable skills yet that I think can can – last in a rotation so i don't i would venture to guess we don't see him on the floor much if at all during the clippers regular season that you know that that's just that's just where i come from um what have you seen from those two before we get into uh my only positive of the draft i'll be honest uh, i'll be honest i've watched very little summer league so far and i I think i've watched a total of five to ten minutes of of the clippers so far (laughs) i get you man Uh, um I, i needed a break from the nba also i've been gone so i haven't really watched that much i've seen some clips and what yeah. I've heard about Keon Johnson is that he's a work in progress in the offensive end, mm-hmm. and he sucked from three in the at uh, Tennessee, and so no surprise that he has started off slowly. I think the interesting thing about him is that you can't teach the athleticism he has. I mean, he showed off yeah. some crazy hops in one game. So between the athleticism and the ability to play some defense, the Clippers are hoping they can teach the guy to shoot. I mean, let, let's be honest, Terrence Mann wasn't great as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully they're able to work with him and the player development staff has been good with the Clippers, even though they are um, yep. switching out some of their coaches. So that's the hope. And I, I think with BJ Boston, I know that my buddy Justin Wilson is really high mm-hmm. on him. And Boston was a guy that was, I believe, a top three pick in a mock draft before the season started in uh, college basketball. So when yeah. you have that type of um, pedigree, you clearly are a guy that has talent. And so it's just about discovering that talent. The interesting yeah. thing for me, and you brought up Preston, is that it seems like this is a guy that has good vision, but his shooting's not amazing. And so it's maybe a guy, uh, he's not going to be the same type of guy, but a guy like TJ McConnell, for example, that if, exactly. he, if he works yeah. his ass off, he'll find his way onto the floor but you really got to reach that next level. I mean, there's the level of an NBA player and you got to go about five levels above that to make yourself um, a solid player on the floor. But what's your final take on <laughs> BJ Boston? Well, I, what I was going to say about Boston is I'm kind of in full agreement with Justin Wilson there about how you, you, I don't think he should have fallen to where he did in the draft. And I'm kind of curious why he did um, I forgot what pick he was taken with already, but 50, but it was very, fifty something. It was like fifty two or something. Yeah, I kind of didn't understand that. Um, I'm a Kentucky guy. I, I live in Kentucky. I'm not a Kentucky basketball fan. I don't watch college basketball. I think, as you know, but yeah. um, my family does, and they're they watch a lot of Brandon Boston, and they they really liked him a lot. So um, I kind of went in with that, you know, I guess that bias already that that I was going to give him more of a chance than anybody else. To, to, to kind of prove his worth. And out of all these guys, I think he has the best chance to be a three-level scorer. I know he did not convert a lot of his layups at Kentucky. He struggled a lot. Um, but you get him with with more. I think you get him with more training, more NBA-level training. That stuff will come. I like the athleticism. I like the length. I like his ability to get off a shot regardless of, of the situation, regardless if it's coming off of curl screens or, you know, uh, double staggers, get into the middle of the floor, or just creating on his own. Like, I mean, I think he can take people off the dribble and kind of get into that Kawhi Leonard range, right? Like, you know, at the elbow and kind of pull up because he's tall enough and he's long enough to to make it where his shot won't get contested as much, um, or he can still get it off against against good defenders. And I think we saw a little bit. I think he had a couple corner threes. You know, there's the catch and shoot threat. 
if he wants to be someone that is kind of observing while PG or Kawhi are running pick and roll and being a, a, a spot up guy in the next. And, and I think we should also say like, when we say this stuff, this isn't for this season. It, it would obviously be in the next two or three seasons down, down the line. I don't think any of these rookies, I think I'm comfortable saying, I don't think any of these rookies are going to make an impact if at all be on the floor this season. Cause the, the Clippers, um, it, it kind of reminds me this, you know, during, during the commentary of the first summer league game, we kept hearing from, from the commentators after who they were, but like the Clippers have open spots to fill, like there's minutes to be had. I'm like, no, there's not yeah. like, like Terrence Mann's getting those minutes. Yeah. Marcus Morris is still there making $16 million. Uh, Luke Kennard, they just, they just committed a lot to has to get minutes. So I, I'm going to push back and say like, these rookies don't have to play anything this year. No, for sure. And that that's one thing is that you'd like to see them maybe play five or six minutes that they need to um, during blowouts. I mean, and see what they've got. But these are guys that I think we can safely say are projects and guys yeah. that very thought, well could be. I thought be... your point about, I, I didn't mean to cut you. I, no, I thought ahead. your point about Keon was really good where you, you mentioned the defense and cause, cause I kind of, I kind of glossed over that when I was talking about him earlier, but you mentioned that he could be someone that they they drafted strictly for defense, and and honestly, that's not such a bad thing because yeah. you have to imagine once Kawhi and PG are 33, 32 years old, or yeah. you know thirty three and thirty four, I guess, because um, PG's a year older than Kawhi, they're going to need some of that young juice, and maybe maybe that's Keon being just a just a defensive guy in those lineups that they don't have to rely on for shooting. You know, maybe he develops into a, one of the best defenders in the league. We have no idea, but I think that's why they drafted him. Yeah. Th- these guys feel like they've got more potential than previous uh, Clippers draft picks yeah. over the last five to 10 years. So that's certainly something that we can look forward to. And obviously the Clippers still have summer league games to play. And this is a time now where we've got about, I don't know, a month and a half or so. Um, until we start thinking about the season starting again. So um, it was great to catch up with you, Shane. Great to talk about free agency. Great to talk about uh, Summer League a little bit. And just always great to talk talk to you. Young MBA on Twitter is where you can follow Shane. Read his stuff at Forbes. He does really, honestly, an awesome job. And his video breakdowns are really second to none. So um, Shane, always a pleasure, man. Oh, thank you for having me on. This is, I think, the third time, and we'll we'll definitely do a lot more. This season's going to be fun, and and it's always a great hour long discussion with you. I, I I love every minute of it, man. Yes, sir. And you can follow me on Twitter at bd marcus. You can follow the Hoopball Clippers Twitter account at Hoopball Clips. Go ahead, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. We are there. Give us a five star rating, review the podcast as well. It always helps. So, until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus. He's Shane Young. And go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.